Anime Pulse, episode 600. Welcome back to our 600th episode of Anime Pulse. I am your host, Joseph, joined by my co-host, Andrew Chan, and a very special guest, Ichigo. A wild Ichigo appears. Hey there, Anime Pulse land. (laughs) Yes, quick, throw the master ball. (laughs) Uh, So how's everybody been doing? I've been doing pretty well. How about yourself, Andrew? Yeah, yeah, pretty great, pretty great. Enjoying my time here. It's uh, this is this is surreal, honestly. But yeah, good to be here. Well, yeah. it's it's always uh, interesting. Yeah, I do think uh, uh, that we're not here to talk about us today. We're here to talk oh, about yeah. Ichigo, as uh, it's very rare we get to have him on. In fact, it's been ninety nine episodes since we've had him on. Was that the, mm-hmm. was that the last time I was on? Yeah, you're here, uh, episode 500. I guess you could count it as 100 episodes ago, but if you don't count today's show, 99. Right, 99. Mm. Okay, well, that's cool. So you want me to talk about me then? Yes, yeah, yeah, so sure, wh- what the heck has been going on with the uh, Ichigo? All right, well, let's see. A couple years ago for five, episode 500, I was still in Japan, if I remember correctly. Living in Nara, doing the thing. Uh, since then, we've had a fair number of life changes. My wife and I and are now three children. We may have had the third mm. one. I don't remember uh, when we did 500. Um, but all, th- all five of us moved back stateside um, and bought uh, 70 acres out in the country, built a house on it, uh, and are doing nice. the, the rural life thing. Although I'm still a software engineer. I'm just, as usual, I'm still telecommuting. Um, Mm. so we've been enjoying it. We've got, you know, a field and a forest and a hill. It's, it's pretty much all good things. (laughs) Yeah. I think when you were on the last episode, you were talking about how you were planning to move back to the States and the, the trouble you were having with, uh, with getting all the proper documents in place to get your, all of your family out of, uh, Japan and back to the States, and you were also talking about how the schooling was one of the main reasons why you wanted to leave. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously there were a number of factors. Uh, the f- The schooling was a large one. We didn't want our kids to have to deal with the bullying that is so prevalent, especially since all of our kids look a lot more like me than they do like my wife. Um, mm. And we decided that since we also wanted to teach them bilingual, we could either pay a mint to send them to, you know, international schools in Japan and still have to deal with, you know, the cram schools and everything in addition to that, or we could try to homeschool them and homeschool them bilingually. And uh, we decided we wanted to give that a try, but it's not, uh, you can't do it in Japan because it's not legal, actually. They treat treat homeschool kids as, um, they call them futoko, which is the, the kids who just refuse to go to school. They treat them as basically absentee. Oh. So you're still enrolled at the schools, but you're just, 
you never show up and the government doesn't really know what to do about it. So they just kind of ignore it. And a lot of those toko end up becoming hikikomori and everything else. And we didn't want our kids to just like grow up in that gray zone while we were homeschooling them. So we're like, all right, there's that. Plus we, we knew we wanted land. We were kind of done with the city. Um, so we're like, all right, we're going to go stateside. Um, and yeah, if, if when we were doing, when we did episode 500, we were doing paperwork, probably, um, it took, let's see, it took a full year to get my wife, her visa, um, through the U S immigration system. It, I think we, it took six months to get the, the petition for the, the visa approved and then another six months to actually get the visa done. And then we were able to move over. So, yeah. Anybody who says the American immigration system is easy is lying. Or they came here. <laughs> or they came here just to request asylum and didn't bother going through the paperwork. <laughs> yeah. Does anyone think it's easy anymore? Especially with, I like, never heard anyone Trump say it's and easy, all the news lately. Well, yeah. the, well, I hope not. But uh, it definitely wasn't, uh, for sure. It would have been a lot easier for her to just come over and just overstay and... But then we would have had to deal with everything else that comes with that. Uh, but so we got it sorted out and we came over and she absolutely loves it here. That was the biggest worry was that um, as, you know, a Japanese woman who grew up in Osaka, which is a large metropolitan, metropolitan area uh, coming to mm-hmm. rural America, how is that going to fly? Right. Mm-hmm. And so that was our big concern was that she was either going to face racism, you know, at overt or, you know, just subtle. Or she was mm-hmm. going to feel isolated or something like that. Luckily, those fears were completely unfounded because we, we hit the ground and she immediately started going out into town because we do live close to a very small town, like 500 people, um, to the the parks and stuff. And everybody she met, she's like, hi, I am just moved here. Give me your phone number. And she quickly assembled an entire network of people that... Oh wow! Uh, and, and like everybody loves her, it's amazing. Like she, everybody likes her, obviously a lot more than they like me, because you know I'm me, <laughs> and and I'm kind of an introvert, and she's not. So uh, it's yeah, it's it's worked out really, really well. We're we, we're really happy here. Oh, good. I'm glad that then within the two years, that's pretty fast. Yeah, yeah, it's um, very cool. Yeah, so mm. we've like uh, I was telling before we started recording, I was I was telling Andrew that. Yeah, we've been on the ground almost two years. We moved summer of 2017, so uh, it doesn't feel like it's only been two years. <laughs> feels like <laughs> feels like we've been here longer. Ah, good. Right, settled right in, right into your new home. How how about uh, in terms of um, you know, because I know parenting in and in itself is kind of a its own job, but how about in terms of work? Like, what what what's keeping you busy? Yeah, well, so um, before I moved over, I was working for the company that I. Uh, I should probably back up. So before I moved to Japan, I was working as a software engineer for a company in Colorado. Um, when I <laughs> when I decided I wanted to go to Japan, I asked for a three-month sabbatical unpaid because, you know, you can get a three-month visa as a tourist, and I figured that would be enough time to get, check out the country and enjoy myself, and then I could come back and, you know, go back to work. And they're like, yeah, well, we yeah. don't do that. So if you want to do this, you just are going to have to resign. And if you, you know, come back, then maybe we have a position for you sort of thing. HR was a real, di- were real dicks about it, and so, oh. and so I was like, okay, here's my, you know, two month notice. Uh, I'm resigning, <laughs> and so I quit my job. You know, I, most people who you know listen this to the show way back when heard the story, but I quit my job, moved, you know, sold all my stuff, except for what I could fit in a five by ten. You know, gave up my apartment and moved. 
Um, wow. And after the three months were up, uh, well, after the first month was up, I was like, yeah, I could live here for a while. I don't have anything to go back to, obviously. So um, <laughs> I uh, looked for work, found a job at an English school and got my visa, had to fly over to Seoul for a day to process it and then come back. Uh, and then, you know, the rest is history. Mm-hmm. But then after I met my wife um, and we got married two and a half, three years in, something like that, um, I... Mm-hmm was back in Colorado f- to visit friends and I called up my old boss who wasn't the dick that HR was and I was like hey you want to have lunch and I told him you know what had been going on and I said so I'm actually fully legal to work as not an English teacher anymore you don't happen to have a position for me and he's like well we probably do and so they brought me back on as a contractor um hmm, nice as a telecommuter and so that's what I did all the way up until we moved stateside and then when we moved stateside they brought me back on as a full-time employee with you know Benny's and everything so so yeah, I'm a telecommuter, uh, and I still do software development. It's like ideal situation, best of all worlds. I can live out in this gorgeous countryside with on a large property and never have to commute to work. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the best of both worlds. That's the dream. It's pretty good. Yeah. Hmm. So I'm glad everything worked out so well. Yeah, and my wife, uh, you know, she does English to Japanese uh, <clears throat> and vice versa translation online as kind of a side gig because. We're obviously mm-hmm. both parenting, and, and now we're homeschooling as well. So there's no shortage of things to keep us extremely busy. <laughs> hmm. Cool. How cool. the uh, how are the kids taking to it? Do they enjoy the countryside as well? They do. They love the fact that um, because of the area we're in, they can see pretty much all year round white-tailed deer and turkeys just walking through the yard. Um, oh, cool. Oh. Yeah. We're, we're in Deer and Turkey Central. Uh, literally yesterday, driving home, on our driveway, we interrupted a Tom and you know a hen having sex amidst like <laughs> 25 other hens. So apparently this, this Tom had a... He was working his way through the herd, through the flock. <laughs> in fact, the biggest problem is keeping the deer from eating all your, your plants in your garden and stuff. So you have to put up a big old seven-foot fence to keep them out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they they yeah, was, uh, they like it. They they like being able to just run outside and run around and not having to have one of us come with them to get them to the park or something like that, right? The whole world's a park, basically. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's uh, that's the, that's amazing. Yeah, I would have loved that as a kid, just having so much space. Yep. It's always been an issue with uh, upstate New York with deer. I know my mother would often tell me about all the woes of her planting her brand new tulips, and then the next day they're gone because the deer showed up and they were hungry. So she'd come up with all these different ingenious ways. Coffee grounds one day, onion peelings the next, uh, hair of the dog another day. And it's just, yeah, eventually something worked. I've heard soap, like the Irish Springs type soap and, you know, other things. But the the surefire thing is just a seven foot fence. (laughs) That does it. Mm -hmm. But we definitely had like, Ah. you know, if as long as there's plentiful grasses and stuff around, they don't really target a lot of stuff unless it's really tasty but like we had we planted some lilac bushes last year that did great all summer long and then in the fall when all the grasses started dying off they moved in and just ate them down to nothing (laughs) oh so that was unpleasant but i I think Mm -hmm. they're i think they didn't manage to kill them so those bushes will probably come back this year uh but it apparently i don't have to worry about pruning them because the deer will take care of that for me (laughs) yeah that's true (laughs) But so that's about what's, you know, new, exciting, Uh, you know, because I live out in a rural area now, um, 
I've done things like I joined the fire department because it's an all volunteer department. Um, wow. I'm going to be working on my EMT because they never have enough EMTs for the ambulance, um, which is also volunteer. You know, the, the, the things that come from living rural as opposed to urban, right? There's a lot less, right. there's mm-hmm. a lot less government, a lot more civic responsibility that has to be taken. So it's one of those things you right. do. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Have you actually uh, had any experience in putting out fires or anything yet? Yeah, or... uh, I've I've gone out on a, a couple, a few fires. Uh, one was a combine caught fire in a field. We had to go out and put that out. Um, and hmm. then there was a chimney fire uh, that we had to, you know, throw a bunch of chemicals down the chimney, basically. Uh, and then there was actually a, a house fire that the house burned down, and I was one of the few people who was willing to put on an air pack and go in and. And you know, fight it inside. Uh, but it wasn't. It wasn't a huge. Wow. It wasn't a huge deal. I mean, it was pretty well burned. You know, like they had put a ton of water on it by the time we went inside, so it wasn't super dangerous or anything. But it was still pretty cool. You know, you put on the air packs, you go in with a, a halogen tool and an axe and a hose, and you know, you're hacking through ceilings to try to get to the fire and stuff like that. That was pretty cool. Hmm. Cool. Just imagine Ichigo running into the burning building like, my baby, my baby, and then just like running out with like a, <laughs> with like a body pillow like, I've got her, I saved her. <laughs> oh my God. Well, you know, it's one of those things. It's Again, it's so different from like uh, an urban department, right? I mean, the biggest building we have is a two-story house, really, in, anywhere in our entire fire district, which is like, you know, 100 or 500 square miles or something because it's everything's so spread out, but... What we are usually fighting is grass fires uh, in the fall and the occasional house fire or structure fire, like one one a year. And it's very low call volume. We do a lot more time training than we ever actually do on the fires, which is what you want, really. Yeah, really, yeah. Because yeah. it means that there's enough. You, you hope you don't have to use the training. Exactly. That's that's the, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Kind of like how a cop never hopes to have to actually pull out their gun train with it yeah, but yeah it's always just better to just be like the beat cop who walks down the street going like you know how's it going neighbor everything's handy dandy doody doody yeah. well yeah you want to be in a village like hot fuzz yeah <laughs> it's just like nothing bad happens here is it, exactly i mean if you're a con- concealed carrier you want to carry your gun your entire life and never have to draw it right because you know that mm-hmm. if you do it's bad and you're probably getting arrested and then have to deal with it <laughs> mm-hmm So yeah, so that's what what's new and exciting with me. Uh, did you you guys said you had some questions or something that you wanted to fire my way? I don't oh know. yeah, uh, yeah, we do. We could move on to that, but actually, first, can we we uh, give you a little break first with, uh, with some of the updates on the community stuff? So like basically comments in from the last episodes and um, forum topics. You know the ones I mentioned earlier on. Sounds good. Would that be okay? Cool. Already. Alright, so, we're obviously no comments on the most recent episode, because that just got released yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, but we do have some on the Made in the Abyss ones, so, um, on Anime Pulse episode 598, Ueno-san in Abyss, we have a few comments, first one's by Midnight Crew, who says, uh, glad to hear you enjoyed the soft, uh, feel-good story of Made in Abyss, who wouldn't feel good after meeting such characters as wacky as Swole Grandma, Best Dad, Science Geek, and a bunny who's lived the most innocent and pure life imaginable. There's no sarcasm there at all, I promise. Um, I've already gushed about Mia in the comments before. I think that's made in the best. So I'll leave it at that. Instead, let me gush about how clumsy you are, Ueno-san. Or as the host of another anime podcast called it, 
How thirsty are you are, Ueno-san? <laughs> Had a lot of fun yeah. with that show, especially since I made it in my head canon that Tanaka only pretends to be dense and really just gets a kick out of leading Ueno along. Show really surprised me with how raunchy it got. Didn't expect something that looks a lot like Lucky Star to make butt plug jokes and stuff. Hopefully, we'll get another season because I need my dose of Friday laughs, crew. So, yeah, you you liked uh, Ueno-san just as much as he does, it seems. So, but that's an interesting oh, yeah, headcanon to think that he's actually purposely pretending that he's unaware. Yeah, some anime have done that, and I can see where he's getting it from, just because. Um... Tanaka could be that kind of character very easily. It could just be like, oh yeah, he's been prepared, he's been prepared, pretending this whole time, and people just be like, oh, well that makes sense. Yeah, because it, it goes on for such a long time, you know. So it's a good way of like maybe wrapping it up. It's like, yeah, I knew. Yeah, I just I just kind of found it was kind of it was kind of adorable what you were trying to. So yeah, and then yeah. he is like, yeah, I'm good with it. You want to start dating? Let's go out. Yeah, that would kind of be the ending, and then you could maybe have like a post one. Kind of like what they did with that Takagi-san one where she's like, grown, where they're grown up and they have a kid. Anyways, then there's Wildfire who says, On the top 10 list, a few of those pretty solid summaries for books. I'm at least interested on premise alone. So I think that's in regards to uh, manga they wanted turned into anime. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yotaru Vegeta says, I, re- <laughs> I remember the happy house of hentai. I'm not sure I want that sound bite out there. I still have a HHH shirt. The podcast, unfortunately, came to an end when the husband and wife couple broke up. Mm-hmm. I think the guy, Lord Chaos, also got busy with work. I think, to this day, it's still one of the few hentai-focused podcasts. Joey, if you feel like there's still a hentai- hentai-sized hole in your heart, there's this dude named Valwin who does hentai reviews. His channel is Valwin Media. Unfortunately, he is more of a Patreon guy now, but he still puts out reviews and previews on the YouTube you want to respond to that well i think the hentai sized hole in my heart is quite filled almost oh, yeah? all the time you know i've got uh plenty of sources to peruse uh and uh, funny enough we're talking about the happy house of hentai i too am wearing my triple h shirt right now wow um, which i received a couple of them after lord k who i was i wouldn't say personal buddies with but we knew each other pretty well i even met him at a convention huh. one time, he actually mm-hmm. sent me a bunch of his stuff when he quit the Happy House of Hentai entirely, and he was like kind of like cleaning up his things and you know, separating. And he sent me a a bunch of uh, racy dojin. Um, he sent me a rather nice wall scroll of uh, Ray and uh, a few other things, oh, but. Nice. Uh, yeah, I ended up giving a few of them away uh, during one of the giveaways here, including the wall scroll. But I uh-huh. still have some of the doujin, as I am not quite sure how to properly <laughs> recycle them and not get some questioning looks from our recycling people. <laughs> Man, I have not yeah. I have not thought about Happy House of Hentai in so many years. Talk about a nostalgic blast from the past. Yeah, Lord K and Hello Kitty. Yep. Hmm. Hello Kitty is in, like... That cute. was his. Uh, that was his wife. Oh. That was her. Her username was Hello Kitty, and that was <laughs> okay. Lord K. All right. Uh, I, I can see. I can see how you'd um, correlate the two sort of subjects together with the username. Really matches. <laughs> Good theme. Um. Yep. Yeah, and that basically does it for comments. So we're now on to the forum topics. Uh, the last week's one was um, anime you'd like to see made. Uh, the first one is actually an update 
from Shieldbro, who says, Now that I've actually had some time to think more about what I would like to see as an anime, here are some more mangas. Uh, Hori... Horimiya, this manga does have an OVA for the old version of the manga, but the updated ongoing uh, one uh, polished up on the art and story, so he wants a new adaptation of that. Two, we may have an experienced couple, but is a manga about a newly wedded couple trying to have their first time? Uh, It is extremely cute and wholesome. So that's his second suggestion. And the last one he has is Shachiku Succubus no Hanashi which this manga is about a succubus who does odd jobs for a guy she's trying to obtain the vitality of. It's also very sweet and wholesome. So, thanks for the suggestion, Shield Bro. Um, and now moving on to the brand new ones from that topic, we have... I think this is new. Yep, Zaldera says, I would like to see Bubblegum Crisis remade. That's that or a proper continuation of the original 2033 OVAs. And no, Bubblegum Crash and the 2040 series don't count. Otherwise, I would be interested in seeing an anime take on the Metal Gear Solid or uh, Yotsubato. I definitely want to see an anime based on Metal Gear Solid. But yeah, I'd agree with you there. Uh, we also have Trinity Angel 0666 who says... Oh, I'm going to have to send you a link to the forum topic. Red, sorry about this because you have to be ready. Oh, no, I'm reading um, it. I, I see what's coming. Okay. You see what's coming? <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> what, what a perfect thing to have on episode 600. I wouldn't mind a remake of Shoujo Kakume Utena because this uh, weird and outrageous show needs to be revamped. Even for a 90s show, the animation was unique and ahead of its time. Another show I would love a remake of is Claymore. Even though this show is a little more than 10 years old, it was one of the few manga titles I read and the anime was was released while the manga was still ongoing, so the anime ended up on a cliffhanger. That's uh, so one of those anime-only endings. Um, okay, and then next we actually have another host from the show, Innocuous Blonde, who's actually online number three right now. We've got four people on this call at once. Uh, mind reading out your comment for us, Innocuous? Yes, indeed. Um, if you uh, haven't ever heard of one of these before, Ichigo, you're in for a treat. Okay. <clears throat> I'm gonna go ahead and take things in an after-dark direction real quick. I wish there was more animation of Nozoki Anna people, because they made two OVA episodes, but with more manga source material left untouched. More erotic romance, please. Oh, and why not make an anime, anim- a hentai animation out of Slut Girl while you're at it? On a non-H note, well, gosh, do you think we could get a real animation of some of Jinjo Ito's works? Not something hastily animated with hardly a fraction of the original dedication and artistic composition and flair as the manga source material? And on a much fluffier note, an animation of Yotsuba would be flippin' adorable. Funny enough, the Wikipedia entry for it states that despite the success of Azag Manga Dayo, created by the same author, the author feels that it wouldn't adapt well to animation because, quote, the story and style of Yotsuba are not well suited for animation. I'd sign off on both of these, even if they just continued the story of a Claymore in a quality way, I'd be pretty psyched. And uh, um, thank you for joining us, Innocuous. It's uh, 
Oh, it was very helpful. Oh, she lived in the call? Oh, oh well, I guess it would be a bit too distracting for those four at once. But thank you. Yes, indeed. I do want to uh, chime in there when she said about the um, author of Azumanga Dial saying that uh, Yotsuba wouldn't make a good, necessarily a good animation. I think with the advent of, you know, nowadays we actually it's not out of the ordinary to see four minute long animes and 11 minute long animes. I think it could definitely be suited for one of those, given that it's one of those like short comedy sort of like skits. And I do think it is quite a good series, so I think I think it would make a really good, like a good palate cleanser at the end of a session. So I yeah definitely would be interested in that. So I didn't think of a few of these actually. Yeah, Junji Ito would definitely I second that, given how that was listed as one of my more disappointing animes of last year was the Junji Ito collection. Oh, god, and. Now we have the current week, which is posted today topic. Oh, wait, actually, before that, yeah, Ichigo. I, I was going to say, can I chip in on that one? Yes. Shit, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. 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 So first, before I give my answer, I, I wanted to respond to a couple of them. I was going to mention the Shield Bro. I haven't read We May Be an Inexper- Inexperienced Couple, but uh, but an anime that basically does that is Futari no Echi, or Futari no H. Uh, so if you no H. yeah it's it's an older OVA uh, but it's basically that uh, so he can check that out if that's something he's looking for um, and Yotsubato is also one of my favorite manga just because of how fluffy it is and I think that would make a great anime as well uh, so my my um, answer to this question is one that I don't know how many people will be familiar with but there's a webcomic called Girl Genius that I think would me- make an amazing animation um, oh really? Yeah. Girl genius. It's See. it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. It's basically uh, um, steampunk, steampunk uh-huh. Europe uh, with kind of weird. It's it's I, I won't call it magic, but it's basically magic. Um, yeah. Where there's these people, so everything's steampunk, but there's these people called sparks who have the ability to infuse their inventions with like almost life basically, uh, and they mm-hmm. ended up destroying most of Europe and stuff over time because they're all crazy, mad inventors sort of thing. It's pretty awesome. Nice. I just, uh, I just have it up right now. It's very... Yeah, it seems quite quirky, quite well made. Yeah, it's um, it's been running for quite a long time, and it's pretty high production values, mm-hmm. and the story's pretty awesome. I think it would make a good anime. So that's my answer to that one. Nice. Something a bit more out of the box as well. So yeah, could be really good for that. Um, okay, and then that brings us to this week's topic, which is uh, tropes in anime. So, uh, you know, this is a good one looking back then, I guess, because, you know, we now have uh, one of the old-time guests, uh, well, old-time hosts here. Uh, specifically, what tropes in anime do you think haven't aged very well, or just dislike, I guess? So, uh, we have one entry here by Black Magic first to read out, which is the old homeless strangers uh, meeting the protagonist. To the viewer, we already see what's coming. We know you're about to give them powers or throw them into an alternate world. The trope is so played out now, I'm surprised it's not made fun of. That's a unique one, actually. It's one I noticed, but I didn't really, like... Not not as much as you, you seem to... Until you pointed it out, I guess. Uh, hmm. Good entry. Uh, what about... Yeah, used to. Yeah, I so... Um... Yeah, I, I agree with Black Magic. Although sometimes they play it off funny, right? Like um, I don't remember what the name of the show was. Oh no, I think I do. It was probably Dog Days, the the one where the kid uh-huh. gets the kid gets thrown into this world populated by dog people. Uh, oh yeah, I remember that. And, but the, his whole introduction is this dog shows up in front of him and all of a sudden makes this huge seal on the ground and he like falls through. Ah, 
Um, but yep. but uh, the, uh, yeah. So my answer: the cute to, dog girls. The cute dog girls. Yeah, cute dog girls. There's really nothing not to like about that. Um, <laughs> but I, my my trope that I've I never liked. I'll, I'll put that. Out. I mean, I, I did watch some anime that had it, um, but I was never as fond of them, uh, and I've never thought it's gotten any better. Is definitely the Sundere thing. <laughs> oh, I knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I knew it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> I hate, hate, hate Sundere. It's never gotten better. I've never seen it done well um, because it's just so unrealistic. And especially when they start getting violent. Like, I mean, every once in a while it's done to such extremes that it's kind of funny. Like, I think, um, what was it? Uh, now I can't even remember the name of it because it's been so long since I watched it. But it was one. D- the- Describe the show. The, the the one with the, the girl, she was like an angel or something, but she always carried like this studded mace that she would use to beat the... Dokuru-chan. Yes. Of Dokuru-chan. Yes, that one. That one was funny because it was so overdone. But uh, mm-hmm. but everything else is just like, seriously, like Shakugan no Shana and any of, any of those from the early the 90s. Familiar of Zero. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Zero no Skyma. All those. They, none of, mm-hmm. none of them, like some of them even had potential because of the plot but the tsundere just mm-hmm. would turn me up right off i'd be like yeah i'm done <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would say that now they seem a bit more aware and they kind of have toned it down in some examples like uh, if you've seen steins gate for instance mm-hmm. you could kind of count christina as kind of that but she kind of goes beyond it a bit because they do have a few commentary a few commentary on the fact that she is a bit like a tsundere but then there's also like bakimono gatari which was like it has well, the main girl in that one Senja Gohara also gets kind of classed as like a tsundere, but she the, the whole the whole thing about that is like she kind of breaks out of that, right? Um, yeah, because it's such a it's such a it's such a lazy term to describe someone's personality, and the whole point of that show is they try to dissect each kind of character trope. Well, and it's it's different too if the the tsundere character is not the main character, right? Because then it becomes kind of window dressing, and it's not near as um, off putting. But still, it's like really. How did you live this long with that kind of personality? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, especially when it's played up it's like to the extreme. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. But I mean, what about the other like really over the top personality types then? That exist. Those those other dairies that exist that are a bit kind of unrealistic. Do you think those ones are less distracting or? Um, I don't like really any of them, but I think yes, I think they are less distracting. Um. Most of the- there's nothing wrong with yandere's at all. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I'm gonna <laughs> agree to disagree with you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 shit. Yeah. This is now changed to like a discussion. It's a. <laughs> like, oh, it's a okay. M- more yandere's for me. Less for you. Well, because <laughs> a rift has formed. I mean, again, it's the okay. Yeah, I'm sweet and you know sensitive until i kill you because you looked at someone else i mean yeah none of the dairies are good because they they make the characters too two-dimensional mm-hmm. right they're the animes that focus on making their their characters more rounded are ones that i think succeed better unless the whole point of the anime is that dere personality trope right like dokudo-chan right right where it's like it's sort of like parodying off it, playing off it in an interesting way or trying to comment on it or something. Right. Or... Instead of having like, this is yeah. going to be a sci-fi anime. Oh, and by the way, our main character is Sundere. Why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
it, yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird because a lot of people I talk to, like in the community and such, like they tend to like not like it either. So I'm wondering why it keeps perpetuating. Um, well, probably because Japan yeah. doesn't care about Amer- what Americans like. Oh, that's true. Well, so you're saying in Japan, like the fan base there tends to really like this type of character. Well, or are really drawn to it. I think what we have to remember is that, um, and this. I, I kind of knew this, but it really drove it home mm-hmm. is that the majority of Japan doesn't watch anime except for like ah, yes. the the little bit of kids anime that's on, you know, like the, the stuff that Americans don't watch. Right. You've got um, Anpanman or Doraemon. Right. The most popular yeah. anime in Japan. Nobody overseas ever watches or has even seen maybe. And the oh, yeah? and the 50 or so uh, that come out every 12 weeks are only shown on paid cable channels, usually at two and three in the morning. Right. So the the market that they're targeting are ve- is very small, and what they're looking for is what people will buy. And so the people who like Sundere, they exist. They buy a lot. You know, they buy the forty ah. or fifty dollar Blu-rays for two episodes of anime. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like how I hear about. Um... With, with with Funimation, for instance, and what they tend to buy licenses for, they buy a lot of things for like those really like those etchy shows mm-hmm. on top of things that like you know like the next hot shit. Like they, they were behind in Dragon Ball Super, for instance, for quite a while, um, in terms of their dubbing because they were prioritizing a lot of those other etchy shows because they kind of they rely on uh, those dedicated fans that will buy the expensive Blu-rays because they're guaranteed sales. So I guess it's that sort of mentality. Right, where, and, and you know, you're guaranteed. And all the etchy stuff, you know, all the hentai and whatnot, all that is direct-to-video. I mean, that, right. that doesn't get broadcast release. And, you know, I was a little bit, you know, rose-colored glasses, I guess, when I went over to Japan. I was like, sweet, I'm going to get to watch all this anime live. And then I was like, no, I'm not. Holy yeah. shit. I can't afford these cable <laughs> channels, and I'm not going to be up at 3 in the morning watching TV. <laughs> I also hear it's pretty extortionate in terms of the Blu-rays, right? You get, like, less episodes well, per Blu-ray yeah, than you like, typically get here. Like I said, it's 40 or $50 per disc, and each disc yeah. only has two episodes on it. Man. Mm-hmm. So for, How do they put up for, for a 12-episode series, you're looking at six discs at, say, $50. So you're looking at $300 for one series. of For, what, oh for one season. Oh, my God. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. That wouldn't fly here. Yeah. <laughs> well, would not so Al Gazero in, in the chat just brought up the Bandai Visual method. That's exactly mm-hmm. what they tried to do. When Bandai oh. Visual tried to start selling globally and not worry about Blu-ray regions, they tried to release discs the same way that they've always done it in Japan. And everybody in America right? is like, oh, hell no, we ain't buying that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's the thing. It's like mm-hmm. they're not looking for quantity of viewers. They're looking for the quality of paycheck. Mm-hmm. Because whales, essentially, yeah, like they're, people can fund the entire thing on their own. And, wow. and so, okay. and See. so, you know, when we look at it in America, we look at this is all the anime that's on TV in Japan. Well, maybe, but you know, they're go- doing good if they get like ten thousand view viewers, you know, for an episode sort of thing. Um, and it's definitely not mainstream. Like the majority of anime, nobody in Japan <clears throat> has ever heard of. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Okay, fair enough. In a way, you kind of get more variety here, then. Yeah, you do. In... Especially if, oh, wow. especially if you're working on off of fan subs or something like that, because you know the vast majority don't get licensed and released. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people tend to still buy their anime on the pirate bay. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. What about you, uh, Joseph? In terms of your response to this. Oh, there's just so many tropes that you could run through. Like, some of mine are just. 
blatant fan service where it's unneeded, unnecessary, but they just throw it in there anyways. You know, the the panty shots, the upskirts, the side boobs, the undressing, redressing kind of thing. The going to the beach and wearing the scantily clad bathing suits. Just wh- why? You don't need that. Yeah, the whole the whole onsen episode that used to be so prevalent that was never good. And mm-hmm. well, except for at least in some regard that that has that serves some good because I hear that like it gives the animators a break from their torturous job a little bit. It gives them a bit of a break because you know those episodes they get away with animating less and just having slow panning shots. True, I will say the so by far the best onsen episode in any anime was the one in okay. the original El Hazard OVA. That was never heard of that one. El Hazard. Oh, that's one of my all-time favorites. <laughs> El Hazard. I was about so- to say that you were about to say like the Roroni Kenshin one, where like Kenshin's dodging all the uh, tubs they're throwing at him. Oh well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, th- those are always amusing, but for pure, just like what the hell is going on? And you know, the fan service. Uh, so El mm-hmm. El Hazard is about this kid who gets thrown into this alternate dimension that based on like. Um, Saudi Arabia as far as dress and stuff and there's an onsen episode where these four like shrine maidens are hanging out purifying themselves before some ritual and there's this basically Totoro looking creature like Totoro Uh mixed with cousin it from Adam's family who uses their paws as like you know soapers and stuff and then of course the main character falls you know ends up in there and it's it's totally a harem anime Uh, but they they don't try to hide it they play it up it's it's pretty funny, but it's it's ah, it's older. Okay. It, it, I mean, it, it actually the original OVA ages pretty well. Um, they they made like a TV show and a second OVA and stuff, and those don't age near as well, in my opinion. Ah, right, fair enough. And sorry, sorry, Joseph, I totally uh, took over your answer there. Nah, no, no, <laughs> no, it's, no, it's completely fine. It kind of has a about? bit of a almost a uh, Tenchi style to it yeah it, it looks at the visuals and it looks yes, yeah it looks like very, it very similar art style yeah girl has the thing on her forehead i think one of the characters in tenji has that too the thing on her forehead as well you know that that, that red mark that gem thing oh yeah i think characters in tenji have those so yeah which uh actually uh each guy actually watched something recently that was very uh mm-hmm. uh tenji themed kind of gave me like a lot of like where um or kind of tension came from i watched proton really which was uh yeah it was like an ova series by tenchi's uh by tenchi's author which was kind of like the predecessor to a lot of what he's done and you could definitely see it in like a lot of the animation and a lot of the story where it was like oh so that's where tenchi got his thing oh and that's where kenchi got his thing and oh that's how that came to be yeah so uh if you wonder why the the art style is similar, it's because the guy who direct uh, the guy who created Elizard was also the co creator for Tenchi, so that's why. Ah, right. The more you know, it all kind of yeah. GI Joe. The heads were there. <laughs> Aside from fan service, I mean, there's other things like. Uh, the main protagonist not having a mother or father, or they're just away from the house or something like that, just living alone on their own kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just for convenience sake, isn't it? Yeah, it's just like, oh, you. it's especially for like harem animes where it's like, oh, my dad and mom aren't home. 
Let's invite all these girls over. Wacky craziness ensues. They work abroad or something. Yeah. And they're just paying for their son to live in a uh, four, you know, a two-story building with four rooms. And <laughs> yep, there's no grandparents handy to help look after the kids, you know, or anything like that. Just of course, there not. you go. Have fun, kids. There we go. Uh huh. Any others? Uh, there could also be like the power of friendship thing, where it's oh, just you like, don't like that. I hate that. Where it's just like the protagonist is like don't worry i've got this and then like all the other people are like no and puts his hand on his shoulder we got this and it's like fuck <laughs> off i just just let him do his thing let him be a badass don't have to step and be like no senpai we're going to do this together power of friendship <laughs> is this kind of like why is this part of the reason why you like the overpowered main character because he, he doesn't need yes. the teamwork to yeah i love it just because he's just like bitch please i got this and then they're just like maws agape, just like, oh my gosh, w- look at what he just did. He just decimated that whole army by snapping his fingers. And it's just like, that's cool. I like that. Okay, cool. But I have to say, my number one trope that I hate more than anything okay. is the oops, I fell on you. Oh, the oops, I fell on you. Yes. And put, I and, hate that and planted so much. my face right in your crotch. Or it's like, okay, yeah. obviously, you were the one who was falling on top of me, but somehow I switched positions with you, turned myself upside down, I'm totally 69ing you right now, just getting right in there, and someone else walks in, I'm going like, oh my goodness, what is happening here? Or it gets called a pervert and they get sent flying, like, you know, like, uh, like from uh, Love Hina or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably one of the most age-old cliches there is, so Got I can it. totally understand that. It almost isn't used anymore. Almost. But when almost, it is, almost. it's just, mm-hmm. it's still so groan-worthy. It's like, ugh, yeah, Japan, I, can we not Nowadays, they on? try to do it in a way like, they're, oh, we're so self-aware because it's such a trope, but it's, it's, <laughs> I, I just kind of rather they just let it die. Yeah, it's like, honestly, can, can you ever, can, can't you think of any other way for people to meet? Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> like, hi, yeah. I'm X. You must be Y. Or, by the way, this is my friend X, not... Oh, my friend X just fell and put his face in your crotch. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. how they say hello. That's how they, they say They uh, must have a piece of bread oh. in their mouth. They must run into them, making that corner turn, and that is how they meet, falling on top of each other in a compromising position. <laughs> yes. And then they hate each other for a while because you want the relationship to get off on the wrong foot to begin with. And then they have a thing to overcome as they get more comfortable, you know. Then it turns out one of them's transferring or some shit, you know. That's how, that's how it goes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just standard protocol, you know. Um, it's how matchmaking is done. <laughs> don't, don't insult other cultures. Ichigo will know. He's lived there. Um, that, is that how you met your wife? No, just. <laughs> um, no, thank God. A piece of bread in his mouth. <laughs> mm hmm. No, no, it was not how I met my wife, thankfully. No. Oh, good, good. Um, oh, also, I refreshed the page. Um, there's one more post from Go Shinobi, mm. who says, uh, "Does the does the laugh at when you when young uh, when young and vows to overcome everything to be the king of or Hokage count? Uh, I right. just feel like ever since Naruto, it's been overused." 
Oh, P.S. Hi Ichigo. So you got an extra shout out there. <laughs> well, not just not just Naruto, but um, One Piece did the same thing, right? I'm gonna be the pirate king. Yeah, he's mentioning king. Yeah, being the king. Uh, Black Clover more recently did it. I'm gonna be like the wizard king. <laughs> it's like that one. Shaman king. Uh, it's in the name of the anime. Yeah. So that whole like be number one and do that thing. You know, it's yeah. That is uh, yeah. That's that counts as a trope, especially in Shonen Jump stuff. Especially, especially. So. I think Bleach is one of the only ones that like didn't do it because Ichigo. I don't think uh, at any point Ichigo from yeah, Bleach. Yep. At no point ever is like mm. I'm gonna be the the what do they call their king there? I forget what they call Soul him. King. Soul King. That's the Ichigo Soul King. king. Right. I'm yeah, never. He's, he's, I'm gonna be the Soul King. No, I don't think he ever says no, that. No, never did. No, he was very reactionary. He always reacted to usually threats coming his way. It's usually the bad guy instigates it. Yep. And a lot of time it's like this. Yeah. That's another trope. It's like the why don't you just leave the main character alone? It's, it's typical bad guy mistake, right? Like, if you just left him alone, you could have <laughs> gone on ruling the world. But no, you had to mess with this guy and then not accept that he beat you the first time. Yeah, I guess it's like the Shonen Jump anime equivalent of, like, the the detective who always stumbles in on the murder. You know, because he, he has to have mysteries around him to solve, right? So, it's that sort of thing. True. But th- but um, that, tra- that trope's yeah. kind of universal, right? I mean, that's not, mm-hmm. that's not just oh, yeah, anime. Of course. I mean... Otherwise, there'd be no story, sort of. Exactly. Like, who who else watched Murder, uh, She Wrote? Oh, wait, am I the only one old enough to have watched that as a kid? <laughs> I've only heard of this show. I don't even know what it is. Well, <laughs> I don't but, know but what you does. get a pass because you're over the pond. <laughs> ah, right. Okay, yeah, fair enough. So what about you, Red? Have you heard of, or Joseph, have you heard of Murder, She Wrote then? I have. I've also read it because I went to college, and when I went to college, they made us read a lot of the detective mm-hmm. fictions. And um, uh, they made us go through, like, at one point we had to go through, like, all the different detectives. So you had to go through Holmes. You had to go through, uh, what was his name? Le, Le, Le Duc? Le Duc? Le... <laughs> I, don't, was, I don't know. There was, like, oh, a, there. one who was, like, almost always there. And, like, he would just, like, pop up and be like, oh, yes, I overheard that conversation where you were totally compromising yourself. Yeah, it it was funny though because you know the majority of shows, <laughs> Batman. the the majority of shows nowadays that have that kind of trope, they there's always mm-hmm. the official suspicion, right? Like uh, if you think like Dead Zone, they're always like you have to have been involved because you know all this stuff about it. But in Murder She Wrote, ah. but in Murder She Wrote, never once did the police go, well, Angela Lansbury, you obviously must be involved since. Look at this trail of bodies that you've left behind you. I mean, you've you've solved you've solved a murder a week for like ten years. Come on, <laughs> mm-hmm. what is wrong with this little part of New England? Yeah, doesn't happen in Detective Conan either. If we if we bring it back to anime, either, I suppose, because he's got what thousands over a thousand episodes or something by this point. Mm-hmm. So, how many people have died in those? Right. Uh, well, according yeah. to that news article we did recently, a, a oh, lot yeah. of people because the yeah. uh, the that tranquilizer darts yeah. <laughs> would, would have killed, killed the uh, <laughs> the the detective yeah. father many times oh. over. Oh, and even going back to the whole uh, "I'm going to be number one" thing counts. Uh, you know, a lot of people remember Pokemon. Isn't trying to be the come the Pokemon master also sort of count as that whole trope of "I want to be the king" or whatever as well? Do you want to be the Pokemon master? True. So. It it just kind of it just kind of exists. But yeah, I mean, thing. you can pretty much say Shonen Jump anime, and they're all gonna be gonna be the best. Yeah, 
I mean, there are some, still some exceptions even more recently, because I don't even know if, um, in My Hero Academia, if, like, uh, if Deku really wants to be the number one hero, he just seems to just really want to be a hero. Or, and, and then you got One Punch Man, who doesn't even really want to, you know, he just wants a challenge. He doesn't really want to be the number one S-class hero or anything. So you have some Shonen Jump ones that are uh, divert from that. Oh, also, a really long-running one, like Jojo. You both, uh, you know what Jojo yeah, is, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Are you, are you keeping up with that show, by the way? Are you talking to me? Because no. Oh, no. Okay, <laughs> right. I, was, I was wondering if there's not enough people here who watch JoJo. I'm, just, I'm trying to expand <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the, yeah, the reach stopped, of it in the community. Stop watching JoJo after the uh, last fight with Dio, and they moved Stardust on to Crusaders, the more... Stardust Crusaders, yeah. Yeah, Stardust yeah. Crusaders, and they moved on to the more zany... I, I would say zany... Um, yeah, part of JoJo because I think it, it started got, yeah. out pretty calm and it was just like oh they're fighting vampires okay it makes sense they're using the Harmon to fight vampires and then it was like well they still are fighting vampires but now they also have more powers and then the and then after that it was just like oh they don't I'm, even fight anymore they just have other things fight for them and stops. they're not fighting vampires anymore <laughs> yeah but oh man they get really out there with, with like what kind of stuff they cover now in JoJo's especially if you consider like not just stand powers but if you guys have time in the future look up JoJo torture dance on YouTube um <laughs> it's just a short clip of um them torturing they're, they're gang stars in in Italy gang stars because it's not the JoJo stars and they're they're torturing this guy and um they just start dancing this, this guy starts moonwalking and then everyone else they just start doing this this amazing dance sequence while this guy is being like burned by the sun with a magnifying glass on him oh uh, it's really weird but look it up it's a great clip yeah sounds bizarre it was, yeah it is bizarre that's it lives it, it actually lives its title which i guess is important it does what it says in the tin but yeah i think that pretty much dries us up in terms of the topics do you guys want to do anything else before i move on no, I'm pretty content with that. I'm good. Yep. Okay. Uh, the the flow's going on pretty well. Uh, and some of your questions actually that have been asked by Alga and Black Magic for this Q and A section, um, you kind of already answered in passing. So I'll see if I can try and skim out some of those. Uh, the first one, I suppose, I'm going to go through some of Alga Zero's ones first. Uh, you kind of answered this one for me before we started recording, but we'll just ask it again so we have it on tape. Uh, why did you choose the Nekomimi song for uh, the, the anime pulse? Right, so um, for the obviously the outro music, I needed something that could sit under the voices without drowning them out or distracting from it. And so I wanted something that had, you know, a nice little flow, maybe a little repetitive or something. And at the time when I was looking for it, we had just we had literally like just reviewed Nekomimi, uh, whatever the hell the name of that sh- uh, Skumiomi Moonface. Yeah, Skumiomi Moonface. Yeah. Um, yep. Skumiomi Moonface. And so I was like, yeah, I'll throw that on there and try it. And I, I liked how it came out, especially with the end, you know, Nachata uh, or whatever. Um, uh-huh. And so I was like, oh, that's that's cute and whimsical. I'll give it a try. And, uh, nobody said anything. Nobody said they didn't like it. And so I was like, sure, why not? And so I just started using it. And then it just kind of became one of those things that, you know, you associate with it. Cause what I always liked when I listened to, um, podcasts was the consistency in intro outro sort of thing. Like, um, mm-hmm. because it really kind of brought it together for me. I like consistency. Huh? 
which is why I'm the the straight man in the show, right? Uh, and always try to, yeah. and I always tried to keep it on schedule because that for me that that made it a show, right? You when you listen to a show or watch a show, you always expect the same things at the same times. Um, yeah, it's the comforts, you know, it's that routine and that kind of comfort. Exactly. That comes so that's so I did that, and then um, as I mentioned to you before, I, around a hundred or a hundred and fifty or something like that, someone in the forums was like, "Hey, you you guys need to get a new outro music. I'm freaking sick and tired of you know." Uh, moon phase <laughs> and i was like all right i can yeah i mean i can do that so i you know I, I spent like five or six episodes trying different um theme music as outros and none of them really had the same feel or were even that catchy and nobody else had any better ideas so i just went back to moon phase <laughs> it just kind of stayed there forever um and uh and i guess it's continued which is awesome yay for uh longevity <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it wasn't there for a while, especially like when I joined, but then the copyright thing happened, and then it just got revitalized, and then I was like, whoa, this is this is a really weird feeling that, you know, I, I listened to the show originally when it had this as the outro, and now it is back, so it was like, oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, so it was... I've it, always thought it was a weird opening song, though, to be honest, Yeah, <laughs> when it was on Moon Phase. It, it was a weird opening song, and that's why it was such kind of a, a whimsical thing that I did to start with, but... It worked. I mean, yeah, it's it's a it's a horrible song. The the anime was very mediocre at best, but as an outro song, I thought it worked really good. <laughs> so yeah, rest is history there. So I hope Alga's happy with that answer. Next one is, how has he viewed the change in anime and its distribution, like the rising and falling of companies like CPM and ADV, as well as streaming services, since the podcast's inception? Uh, so I can only really talk to about the time when I retired uh, because since then I've watched very little anime and I haven't paid any attention to the news um, in the industry. Right. So, uh, okay. Yeah. So I, unfortunately I can't speak to the last few years, um, you know, what, ah. four or five years almost. Uh, but for the, the first 10 years that I was doing the show, I, it was really interesting to see the move towards streaming companies. Right. Cause when I started, everything was still DVDs and torrents. Right. Um, and then mm-hmm. I think I think Hulu was maybe one of the first, and then I, I, yeah, like um, Funimation had their streaming service, I believe, and there were a couple others. But as streaming became more and more, and the same day or or next day streaming, you know, because they were obviously really trying to take a cut out of the 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 torrents, right? They were trying to make it an attractive alternative to uh, torrent sites, and I right. and I thought that was. I thought that was a good good move, right? Because I've never thought that... I mean, so back in the day when, you know, you had VHS tapes and even just DVDs and you didn't have the internet as it is now, um, DVD regions and stuff like that and different marketing and license agreements in different countries made a lot of sense. But with the, with the way the internet ties the world together now, it just doesn't make as much sense and it's not as feasible. And obviously media companies, the, you know, in all industries have had a really tough time adapting to that. So... I think the move towards streaming services is a positive move on the whole. Um, but the problem, obviously, is that there's always going to be ones that don't get tre- don't get treatment, right? They're not going to get st- the streaming service uh, license or treatment for it. And so there's always going to be a place for that black market, the, the, right. the, the raw torrents or the subtitle groups, the fan title, you know, mm. fan subgroups and stuff like that. And so I think mm-hmm. as long as they're meeting a market need, they're going to stick stick around. 
And I'm okay with yeah. that because the black market exists in every industry and in every, you know, market since the history <laughs> of the, you know, economies. Um, but yeah, but you see a lot more legitimate anime out there nowadays. And I think that's, I think that's a really good movement because it shows that it's becoming a more mature marketplace, especially outside of Japan. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So fairly well-rounded good answer but on the same sort of subject this is another question that was asked as well do you still hate the roly crunch as i do and that's from alga not me i didn't say i hate crunchy well <laughs> I, I i you know i actually wouldn't say that hate is the word that i would use for my feelings um my, for me it's much more apathy um right i never watched anything on Crunchyroll, um okay. because it came on after I was already in Japan. And right. um, if I remember correctly, I think I tried to check it out once or twice, but they did region locking, and I didn't feel like going through VPN just to check out Crunchyroll. Um, right. Mm-hmm. And so they're very much a non-entity in my book. I mean, they might have great software. I don't know, because I never actually explored them enough to care. Uh, I was just like, eh, mm. it's a streaming service. I don't watch streaming. <laughs> right. Simple as that, really. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, do you still communicate with former host commentators and guests such as Bato, Chigo, Kaitar, Treze, Jake from Hadoking's Our Vespaholic? Okay. So um, Bato and I do stay in contact um, irregularly. Um, but in fact, we just uh, chatted a little bit via text last night. So yes. Uh, hmm. wow. And he is, I, I don't know. Um, for those of you who remember Bato on the show, he was always looking towards uh, the realm of government work. Um, and so due to that, uh, I don't know how much he would like me to say, but I will say that he's doing well. He's enjoying what he's doing. Um, he, he's got a family now, which is great. Um, oh, and so nice. he's generally happy. Good. Um, ah, I Obviously, every once in a while, I see uh, Weltall and or Tim, if um we have a chance to get together when I'm in Colorado. Um, I haven't talked to, nice. Chi- I haven't talked to Chigo and Katar in years, years and years, probably since shortly after Chigo left the show. Um, so oh. I don't know. I don't know. have any idea of their status. Uh, same with Trey's. Um, I haven't talked to her in a long time. Um, and same with Vespa. So pretty much, uh, Weltall is it with the occasion or sorry, Bato is it with the occasional, you know, contact with Weltall and Tim. Okay, cool. That's nice. It's it's good to hear that some of those relationships are still ongoing, and especially the battle one. That's it's important. It's it's good to know that uh, that he's doing well. That's most important. Yep. Yeah, Welltall uh, does uh, give status updates on Bato every now and then. Oh right, because they're related and because they're brothers. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I didn't know you know what if anything Welltall told on the show either, and 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 I definitely don't know what Bato uh, would want to be told. So that's why I was you know specifically right. vague. Yeah. That's fair enough. Yeah, it's private now. Uh, do you have any tales from Japan, like when you met Yoko Kano, or did some improv with an idol member who got way too close to your face? Oh, yeah. Well, so I'm assuming I must have talked about those both on the show. Um, <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, media-related stuff, those were the big ones. Like, I, I did, you know, when I was doing acting in Japan, um, and for those of you who maybe don't, didn't listen to any of my shows from back then, which I don't blame you for because it's been a long-running show. Um, I did do some acting in Japan 
uh, on a part-time basis. I registered with the talent agency, and whenever they needed a you know foreign face in something, they would call me up occasionally. I also did translation for them. Um, so probably the coolest experiences I had, uh, in addition to the two that were just mentioned, which I can go over. Um, obviously, I was the only foreigner who made it into the live-action Roroni Kenshin movie. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. That's so cool. Yeah. I've actually seen that movie too. Watch the trilogy. Yeah, so I'm in, I'm at like the ten minute mark of the first movie uh, in a festival scene. I'm one of the guys at the bottom of the screen throwing water onto the guys carrying the shrine. So you can see me there. Okay, I'm gonna have to rewatch it for that alone. Now, right? Okay. It's, and cool. it's a really funny story how it happened. They, it was this was before I even started acting. I saw a news thing that I was reading for Anime Pulse saying that they were looking for volunteer extras. And I was like, what the, right. what the hell? And I sent in a registration for it. And they called me up. And they're like, yeah, come in, and which was awesome. And then I got there. And they're like, so turns out another part of the production department had gotten this agency to provide a bunch of foreigners. So we don't actually have anything for you because all of our foreigner roles are filled. And I was like, oh, so oh. should I just go home? And they're like, no, no, what we're going to do, we're going to give you a yukata and a, a straw hat and... <laughs> Uh, a Japanese girl to sit on your arm and you're just going to walk around the festival. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and I was like, hell yes. And so, um, I, yeah, so w- there was a, there was a, a ton of filling. It was a long day of filming, you know, and I walked around this festival mm. with this Japanese girl on my arm. And, and then there was the, the, the scene where I was throwing water on the, the guys holding the shrine and carrying it going, washoi, 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 and stuff like that. And, um, and Great. there were all these other foreigners, like, in carriages and stuff like that all over the set. And every other scene with a foreigner got cut out in post, except for the one with me oh. in it. So I'm the only foreigner, oh. in, foreigner in the movie. Wow, he survived. And, wow, it was almost good that he didn't have any left. Then. Right. And you got Cause, sort of... Yeah, because yes. they cut out all the foreigners, and I just happened to get lucky. And, that, and, you know, and the one time I got in a major motion picture was the one time I was there as a volunteer. And everybody, all the other foreigners got paid for that day. Um, oh, okay. And so that's yeah. how I found out that there was this that you could even do this because I was talking to some of the other uh, expats and they were like, "Oh yeah, we're getting like a hundred, hundred fifty dollars to be here today." And I was like, "Sweet!" So I signed up with their agency and then I got in a bunch of other stuff. And in fact, I was actually as, in the filming as an extra for this. Probably, I think it bombed in the U.S., but this Hollywood movie called Equals that came out six years ago, five, six years ago, something like that, because um, it was filled mostly uh-huh. in Japan. Uh, because they had mm. the right places for the sets for it. Um, but I, right. I did kind of scan through it, and all the scenes that I was walking around as a random extra in, uh, I didn't see myself, so I must not have made it in through the, the post, ah. unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. So there was that. There was the one that, uh, the other one that was mentioned, which was I for one of the NMB48 girls. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar, that's the AKB48 version, but the Osaka version. So NMB 48. Hmm. Mm-hmm. NMB stands for Namba, which is like one of the downtown areas of Osaka. Um, they ah. were doing this thing for, it was like her one year anniversary or something. And so that they were doing this funny like skit video for the rest of the girls. It was like for like a party or something. It wasn't even get going to get like TV or anything, but they needed a foreigner to pretend to be an English teacher. And uh, so I went in and it was with this girl. I've got a picture of her somewhere, but I don't remember her name off the top of my head. Um, and did this whole thing where I had to pretend to get angry at her because she wasn't studying, and it was it was hilarious. Um, and then, of course, the big ones, the one where I met Yoko Kano, um, also the one where I met and got a picture taken with 
um, Ken Watanabe's daughter, who is the star of the show, huh. um, which was uh, mm-hmm. Gochi Sosan was the name of the Asa Dora, the, the morning drama for NHK. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was in like five episodes, six episodes, um, and I actually had a named character and lines in uh, English and Japanese, and I got to go to the to the cast party where I got to watch the entire cast show up in blackface and do a minstrel show. It was unreal. Ooh. It was completely surreal. Completely surreal. I actually have video of it, you know, cell phone video of it. Oof. Wow. Um, and, okay. you know, and I got to Ichikawa, Ichikawa something. I was the, the like, the leading lady, the second leading lady, the supporting actress. Um, she was who I acted mm-hmm. opposite in most of my scenes. Um, and then uh, Watanabe, what, I can't remember her name now off the top of my head, but Watanabe Ken's daughter, who's, all, like, a supermodel and an actress. Um, got pictures with her, and, you know, and I'm actually in the cast photo. The final episode cast photo, I've got a 8x10 copy of it, and I'm in there in the front row, like, right next to all of them, which is pretty pretty sweet. Um, mm, mm. That's cool. And then probably the most fun I had was the one day that I got to be on this television show, um, but they didn't bring me on as, like, an actor. They brought me on as a translator. Um, ah. And so it was the show... Call, uh, about these these um, talents, they call them talents, right? Um, but they're just people who make a career of being people on TV. Like they don't have anything else going for them. But these these talents who run a detective agency, basically, people write in with a mystery and they you know pick that person, they bring them on, and then they try to solve that mystery. So the mystery this time was this guy, this expat from the states, had come over to Japan. He was going to college in in Tokyo, and he had this diary that his grandfather had brought back from Japan during the occupation of World War II, um, that, he had, that he had just picked up off the ground in, in this town in Okinawa. And uh-huh. this guy was like, I'd like to find the family of whoever owned this diary, if possible, and return it to them. And so that was the mystery. And so they brought me on as the translator, because this expat didn't speak very almost any Japanese. Uh, so I, I showed up and we did like this little introduction in Osaka and then we jumped on a plane and flew to Okinawa and spent the entire day like driving around talking to people like hey do you know anything about this old address because the address on it was pre-occupation era and all the addresses changed um in the occupation and towns were burned down and rebuilt and so you had to find somebody who was around pre-war to know where anything was and of course they're all in their 70s and 80s or either that or they learned it from their parents or something like that and so we finally tracked mm. down the town where it came from, and then we literally walked down the street accosting random strangers and was like, hey, do you recognize this name or anything like this? And we tracked down the relatives. It was unbelievable. And so uh, the, the, the person who had written the diaries, apparently it was this, the patriarch of the family, and he wrote a, a full diary, like a volume a year, and had done it his whole life. And during wow. during the war, they evacuated, and he evacuated almost all of them, but one of them must have fallen out of a box or something, and that's the one that the grandfather picked up. And then, post-war, when they'd come back and they got moved back in, there was a, a fire in, like, the 60s or something, and burned every other existing volume known to exist. So this was the last wow. volume written by this, this guy. And so the kids, the, the guy's children, uh, like, son and daughter, were still lived in the same area, 
So them and all their families, like, I don't know, 15 extended family or something showed up and was like, we presented the diary to him. And the guy was like crying and, you know, yeah, this is my dad's handwriting. And it was, it was awesome. And so I, I sat hmm. there, I, you know, I was there the whole day, basically just translating for this guy, um, which was pretty cool. So that was, huh. that was, pre- wow. that was probably the coolest experience. And we spent the night in Okinawa, you know, and so I got to run out for, you know, half an hour, quick sightseeing before we had to get back on the. The plane and come back and stuff like that so it was pretty it was pretty cool that is really cool wow so the uh, good thing good things about you know being a foreigner in a strange country and knowing the language <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah like these ex- sort of experiences as well just wow mm-hmm. so but it's, it's historically significant as well it's like wow right yeah, and, um, and the fact that the the kids that the guy's family had you know held onto this volume and that he thought he thought to bring it with him to try to return it and then you know wrote in like he he said basically like his ex girlfriend had convinced him to write into this show uh, to you know ask them to do it and they picked him and you know the rest is his history but it was it was pretty pretty heartwarming everybody was all teary eyed and everything. Cool, cool. Uh, okay, I'm gonna try and flip back and forth between the questions from other people who also asked some as well, just just to make it fair in case we can't fit everything in. Uh, some of these are from Black Magic, who says, um, "What animes do you remember as the worst or best previews?" Oh, boy, that's a tough one. So best, best is still pretty easy. Um... For production value, story, rewatchability, and everything, I'm going to still say Seide no Moribito is right there at the top. Okay, going to add that to my watch list. Was this Seide? Seide no Moribito. Um, I don't remember what the English title is, actually. Um, Guardians of the Sacred Spirit or something, probably, is what it translates uh-huh. as, translates to. That's I got it here on Malna. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing show. Um, I never watched the dub, so I don't know how good... It was treated in English, but the the Japanese is amazing. It has one. That's ah, fine. I'm pretty off put for on subs. Oh, that was the, was the anyway. uh, that was the one with the spear wielding chick. Exactly right? with Balsa, the, the spear wielder. Mm. And I was about to say mm-hmm. some of the spear fighting sequences were some of the most raw fighting that I can remember seeing, and just in terms of like desperation and authenticity, it was awesome. So um, that's by far one of the best. Um, as far as the worst, that's that's a tough one. I mean, there's been a lot of bad shows. <laughs> and, you know, once we got into doing reviews, the bad ones usually got dropped pretty quick unless we were reviewing it for, you know, comedic value or something. Um, I'm, yeah, I, I, I'm going to have to think about that one. I might come back to it, but I, I couldn't name the single worst one off the top of my head right now. Okay, fair enough. Um, I mean, you're in the server now, so, you know, you can drop a line anytime you want, pretty much. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Black Magic also still asks as well, what anime have you uh, have you changed your mind on as time has passed? I recall you mentioned that you changed your mind on Onigai Teacher. I imagine it's because you actually became a teacher in Japan. Yeah, well, and, you know, people... For me, a lot of it was because I've been watching anime for, I don't know, 20 years now probably something like that Oof. um i've changed a lot in the last 20 years right i mean i'm in i'm, right. I'm 40 now for those of you who don't know I, I turned 40 last year 
um, which means I've been watching anime since I was a teenager. Uh, and mm. what I what I liked back then is not what I like now. So yes, there are some. When I when I was in my early twenties, I still loved, you know, Evangel- Evangelion and Martian successor Nadesco. I can't watch Nadesco anymore because it oh? it didn't age well for me. Um, and it, the it, it was there are, there are still some episodes that I think are funny, but I can't just watch the series anymore. Um, unfortunately. And so what right. I what I look for now is a lot less um, fan servicey or even silly silliness. Right now I'm looking for good stories, and you know high production values are are a positive. But you know the the, the ones that I've liked the most over the last five to ten years are, are ones like say Dano Moribito, uh, Ginosaji. Mm-hmm. I liked a lot um, Silver Spoon because you know even though I had silliness, it was trying to tell a story about you know someone trying to learn about farming. Right, a guy from the city learning right. about farming, and and it, it it never got bogged down or sidetracked by trying to throw in fan service or panty shots or any of that crap. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Same with some of the ones that I was talking to you about shortly before um, the show. You know, all the stuff I've watched in the last year have been ones focused on a story or trying to just you know be a cool anime and not getting focused on any of the fan servicey stuff or any of the tropes really that we, you know, spent time talking about. And of course, I'm sure there's still plenty of bad anime that comes out and stuff, but my tolerance for it is nil. Now, I it has to be a good story. All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. No time for something that's just too basic nowadays. Yep. Especially with all the responsibilities. Which, speaking of which, well, there's a, the, the other question I've got asked as well here for you is, are there any hobbies uh, that you've had to let go or lost interest in, whether it be through getting older or rising responsibilities? Sure. I mean, obviously, anime is the big one, right? Like, I, except for Ginosaji, I watched almost nothing from when I retired until the last year because I had almost no time uh, and it wasn't a priority anymore. Uh, video games. I don't, I don't game anymore and I used to game a lot. I, you know, I bought a PS3 when they came out and I, you know, I think the last thing I played was some Grand Theft Auto V. Um, but, right. but again, it's, there's no time. <laughs> when you have yeah. when you have three kids, you're working full time, you're homeschooling, you're trying to wrestle seventy acres into shape. You just don't have time for any of that. Um, other stuff, you know, I practiced kendo, uh, but after our third child was born, I didn't have time to go to practice anymore. So I don't do kendo anymore, unfortunately. Um, right. I see. So yeah, there's a lot of th- a lot of hobbies, a lot of things that have kind of dropped by the wayside. Um, the things that are mainstays are things that you can do without needing dedicated time you know, like activity time is like, you know, reading, you know, I still read a ton, but it's after I'm in bed <laughs> and after the kids are asleep. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it, it, everything else has to sort of like work its way around the main responsibility. Exactly. Right? And so I don't have <laughs> the, the, the large amounts of dedicated time that I used to have to do all the stuff that I used to enjoy. Um, and it's, and you know, sometimes I miss it, but most of the time I'm so busy and enjoying what I'm doing now that I don't think about it so much. And maybe I don't understand this because I'm not a long-time listener, but I don't get this question. You probably might. When will you take the younglings to slaughter baby seals as a rite of passage? passage? Ah. Or is there another path to adulthood that you prefer that they take? I have no idea yeah, what this means. So this refers to the fact that I'm an Alaskan, born and raised. Um, oh, And okay. seal clubbing. Uh, you know, the who, <laughs> I don't remember the name of the wildlife activist group that 
did the whole like media campaign about serial clubbing way back in the day. Uh, Peter? No, it was before Peter. It was something completely different. No, it was even before Sea Shepherd. Sorry, I'm re- I'm responding to people on chat. It was like That's it was fine. like True Leaves or something like that. It was it was way back in the day. Anyway, so the the Native Alaskans, not Greenpeace either. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 a lesser known one. Everybody remembers the 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 clubbing seals thing, but no remember nobody remembers who did it. Um, but so anyway, the Native Alaskans, you know, one of the things that they'll do for part of their hunting is yeah, they'll go out and they'll kill baby seals. And the easiest way to do it is just walk up and hit them with a stick because well, they don't run away. Um, more normal Alaskans don't do that. Uh, because normal Alaskans aren't allowed to hunt seals. <laughs> you have to be native, uh, because only then are you allowed to subsistence hunt. It's the same with right. a lot of other animals and hunting as you know laws as well. Like normal white guys, <laughs> the Euro- people of European descent don't get to do any of that. Um, and, right. and it's only only the natives, and most of them live you know up near the or above the Arctic Circle and stuff like that. So anyway, there was mm-hmm. somebody took some pictures or video or something of. You know, some natives doing that, and then did this whole big campaign about it um, to try to raise awareness and stop the clubbing of baby seals. Anyway, so that's the that's the history behind the whole seal thing. And so when we started the show, either Chigo or Bato or someone, you know, brought up things, and I think Aunt Penny Arcade actually did a comic about it or something too, or they did a whole media campaign about uh, um, Alaska. And one of the things was Alaska, come club baby seals. Uh, and then, yeah, Bato and wow. everybody ran with it because I'm an Alaskan, and so they use it to make fun of me. So, yes, uh, right up, <laughs> okay. right up passage. No, I'll probably go something more like Camp- Captain Fantastic. I'll have my kids track and, you know, kill a deer with their bare hands and a knife or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, it's a step up. All right. <laughs> well, it's a little, you know, we have deer here. We don't have seals here. So, it's just, you know, you, you work with what right. you got. Yeah, exactly. We can we can always try and meet halfway, make them a baby deer. Or exactly. Something. Yeah, go for go for the fawn. Yeah. Kill Bambi with your bare hands, <laughs> no. and then you then you're a man. Oh no! Ichigo oh, becoming more like uh, Kratos from the recent God of War. Oh right, yeah. What? <laughs> oh my god. Uh oh, you probably because you already kind of mentioned that you don't keep up to date with like the industry news these days you probably don't know what this one is so we can move on afterwards if you don't uh but i'll get asked what are your thoughts on the vic Mignana situation not sure if you've actually met vic or not um well so i've yeah i've, I've met vic once it was your typical hey nice to meet you shake hands that's it sort of thing but i did actually hear about right. the whole sexual um misconduct scandal whatever you want to call it I, I haven't heard of any charges being filed but i've heard he's basically been blackballed from the industry because of his activity well, the, so we may hear of something very soon in terms of charges but it won't be from them to him it'll actually be from him to the accusers them. who didn't file anything got it um yeah but did, did well most importantly then did he hug you without your consent no but but i'm also uh not a guy that you just walk up and hug Unless you're a girl, because that happened. I got glommed a few times at conventions, but uh, the only guy... Oh, my God. You, oh. the, the only time, uh, the only the only star who's ever given me a hug, and it was totally with my consent, was Adam Baldwin. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But it was for a picture, and, and I have it framed. All right. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So, that's different. That's a different sort of situation. Back when glomping um, was still a thing. Yeah, back when mm-hmm. glomping was still a thing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A different time, a simpler time. <laughs> uh, 
If if you have watched any anime since uh, five hundred, what would you recommend? If not, can you can you take recommendations? Okay, so of course, uh, as discussed, I've only watched a little bit of anime starting last year, um, and. The reason I can now have time to watch anime, I said it before the show, but I'll say it for the show, is that um, we got a rowing machine for exercise during the winter when there's snow around and we're not skiing or something like that. And so my bribe to exercise uh-huh. is while I'm rowing, I can watch anime. So that's, uh, hmm. I'm, I'm using, I'm multitasking. Uh, so in the last year, um, I've watched four anime f- start to end. I watched Violet, Evergarden, um, Grand Crest Senki, mm-hmm. uh, or Record of Grand Crest yep. War. You do Cam or Laid Back Camp and uh, Soto Yori mm-hmm. Motoi Basho or A Place for the, the Universe. Um, and mm-hmm. I thought they were all great. Um, and I'm totally open to suggestions, but keep in mind, I'm not up for anything fan servicey. I'm looking for the good story. Cool. I mean, and now, and then, now you're on the Discord, people can actually like tag you and actually ask you. Yep. So. And I definitely have one for you. I'm only going to suggest one. Okay. Um, it's something that recently caught my eye and heavy focus on story and animation style that will just leave you breathless. It's done by Shaft, so. Okay. Three Gatsu no Lion. Three what? Ah. Three Gatsu no Lion. Okay. March comes in like a lion. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Aha, <laughs> three Gatsu, haha. <laughs> Instead of Sangatsu, that's that's a nice play on words. Yeah, so it's... Oh, I- brilliant and it deals with such heavy tone subjects like you know it's all about go or go it's all about um shogi shogi uh shogi thank you hey. it's all about shogi and just like some of the older shogi players how they just have this feeling of like end up being alone because all their other friends are dying off and leaving them with all their their like their desire to have been the best shogi player ever so it's just nice oh it if you want some heavy hits, you definitely got to check out Three Gatsu no Lion. Like, cool. Like, if you've ever experienced any bullying at any point in time and you've ever had to deal with those subjects, then yes, you definitely would. Nice. Oh, it's so good. Uh, and it's by Shaft, and they have a good animation quality. Yes, they do. So. Real cool. They, yeah, they follow the manga like almost page for page. It's beautiful. Nice. Hmm. Real quick, sorry to. to stop you guys um i need to run upstairs for a second um but we can keep recording i just need to run away from the mic for a second because i hear some noise upstairs sure. yeah no, that's no fine. problem that's fine though uh <laughs> what we do in the meantime though uh yeah go ahead um yeah, in the meantime, like, yeah. we're at one we're at one hour 21 do you should i wrap up questions fairly soon and get so he can actually have time to talk about an actual anime in phil um now that we're at 121 or like yeah, what I, know do, you uh, to keep it I couldn't find the forum topic that you posted for this or was it an email you got the forum topic for like the ichigo's questions for ichigo kind of thing oh no i just kind of i just kind of like took in private messages basically and ah, i have a list but it's so you well, composed a list how many do we got left oh we've still we still have qu- quite a lot so i don't think we can make it for well, it depends on how like how long are you willing to go um there's like let's see because a few of them got knocked out from his talking um, earlier on anyway, just kind of by proxy. Uh, mm-hmm. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Well, he kind of answered that one already. Uh, nine. 
there's kind of nine questions left, so it's a kind of a it might be a bit much if you wanted to try and keep it within time mm. and also have to like talk about anime. Shorter questions, or are they something that's going to be like making them answer a long? Well, you know, so some of them are short, so some of them are just like, did you watch Battle, e- Battle Angel Alita? And if so, what are your thoughts? But then there's longer ones. But there's there's ones that, like, if I'll filter out ones I think are will we'll give best answers, one of them I think might be useful for okay, actual sorry, listeners is... Oh, yeah. Just we're we're just kind of, like, filtering the bathroom down. questions left. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I have one personal question oh. I actually wanted to ask as well. Oh. Yeah, I we can hear you. There we go. Oh, no, okay. we can hear you. No, oh, it, yeah. it's, I oh. just hit the volume control by accident. <laughs> okay. Like, I have... Ah. I have uh, one personal question I'd also like to ask uh, and throw in there, and then there's like, I know, how many more of those should I knock through of the actual other ones? Do you actually have any, Joseph, as well? Uh, no, I mean, people are asking questions, and I, mm. I've i already like, I've you know, I was talking to Ichigo before you know, anyone, oh. mm-hmm. you know, before you, and basically I was with Ichigo when he was a host, so it, you were I've doing had it before most of my questions cool. answered. <laughs> Yes, he's the, he, exactly. he's, he's the Ichigo hipster. <laughs> right. Um, so, how many sh- more should I knock through then uh, before I let him, you know? We before we get definitely to like the him. quicker ones where he can just give like almost yes mm. no answers. That's mm. fine. Okay. And okay. he's fine to answer all of them. I mean, I don't mind us running longer. It is the six hundredth okay. episode. Okay. Great. Cool. Cool. I was just wondering. Um, okay. Cool. Uh, I'll I'll knock through a few. Uh, okay. This one might be really good for listeners in general. Then, having lived in Japan for many years, what would you? What would be a sublime itinerary for those who plan to stay for a week or two weeks? What places would you avoid? I remember asking you way back in 2010 or 2011, uh, but the most prevalent answer that stuck with me was only stay one day in Tokyo. Otherwise, you'd never leave. Right. So, of course, uh, this depends on what your um, what your objective is, right? If you're going there because you want to see anime culture, then obviously spend a couple of days in Akihabara, right? Um, you'll you'll right. enjoy that. And then get out of Tokyo. I'll still say that because unless all you care about is big cities, which I've met some people that that's all they care about, which is totally fine. But if you, if you want to see any of the Japan that you've seen in anime or manga, you got to get out of Tokyo. Um, go mm-hmm. spend... If you're there for a week... This would be what I would say because you don't have enough time to hit all the good, you know, the, anything but the high spots. So take a day or two if you want to do Akihabara. If you, if you can do just a day in Akihabara, great. Spend another day seeing, you know, the rest of the sites in Tokyo. You know, like go see Tokyo Tower, the Sky Tree, or you know, whatever you, you want to see, and then mm. and then jump on the shink and go down to to Kyoto. I would say spend a couple of right. days in Kyoto. You're going to walk your ass off unless you've got a lot of money and you can take the cabs. <laughs> um, take right. a, a day into the east side. Take a day into the west side. Um, right. See, you know, you'll be templed out. After that, take go down to Nara for a day. You can do Nara in a day. Um, if you if oh, you okay. really like the countryside, I would take a second day and go down to the Asuka area um, in in mm. Nara because. That's a great day trip because what you can do is you can go down and you can rent a bike and bike around to all the temples and shrines. And it's like the middle of the countryside. It's not a city at all. It's, nice. it's gorgeous. And there's all these. So Asuka, for those of you who aren't Japanese history buffs like I am, um, Asuka was where the the capital of Japan was before the Nara period. And the, the kind of characteristics of the Asuka period was that every time the emperor or empress died, they would move the capital. Um, and, so, oh, and so what you wow. have is all these 
like burial mounds scattered around this big long valley um which is pretty cool and then you know in early 700 ad they moved to nara and established the first permanent capital um and but you know by permanent was like it was there for like 80 years or something and then they moved to kyoto and they were there for 1100 years or whatever uh, but so hmm. the, most people skip Nara, which I think is a real shame because Nara has not only the largest Buddha in Japan, it's got the largest freestanding wooden structure in the world. It's got the oldest still standing wooden structure in the world. Um, and it's got uh, one of the oldest Buddhas in the world. So and those are all separate things. So, well, two of them. So the, the largest Buddha is the, the Buddha at Todaiji and the buddha hall that surrounds the buddha is the one in todaiji and that's in nara city itself and then the oldest uh wooden structure uh, is over at um one of the one of the temples and now i'm going to totally space on the name since i'm talking about it um but i will look it up while i'm talking about asuka and then down in asuka you've got this really really old buddha that's made out of like i want to say it's like made out of copper or something um and uh it's pretty cool too and and you can you know you're biking around all these old um these this old like you know farming towns and stuff to these really cool places um so let's see uh the temples in nara and i still can't pull it up so anyway so that's let's say you do two days in tokyo two days in kyoto a day in nara that's five days so you got two days left so you got a couple options. If you like shopping and stuff like that, you could hit Osaka, but there's not a whole lot to see in mm. Osaka. Like Osaka Castle is not um it's it's only a castle facade at this point. They've they gutted the inside and they totally um turned it into a museum sort of thing and it's like got elevators uh-huh. and you know commercial staircases and everything. So I unless you've got a bunch of extra time, I wouldn't do it. What I would do is take a day trip okay. out of Kyoto and go to Himeji and go and see Himeji mm. Castle. Ah. Himeji Castle is known as one of the most beautiful castles in Japan. It's like the it's like the white crane castle, basically. It's gorgeous. And it's still I mean, they've restored it many, many times, but it's still authentic. Um, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And you can go inside and all the way up to the top, which is pretty awesome. Um, and so that's one option. The another option would be to go to um, go back to Tokyo and then go up to Nagano, and Nagano City uh, is pretty cool and there's a, a neat temple. But you can also do the day trip out of there up to the Jigokudani, which is where the snow monkeys hang out in the onsens. Um, and I did that when I first went to Japan and I posted a bunch of pictures up. Um, I don't know if those are still around. Probably not since the blog died, um, but it's pretty cool. So. Back to Nara, the temple's name was Hōryuji. Hōryuji Temple has the oldest, ah. has like one of the oldest wooden buildings left on Earth. It was this five-story pagoda built in like six or seven hundred AD. Survived all the mm-hmm. Onin Wars, all the lightning strikes, all the fires that burned on every other building in the temple multiple times, and it's still standing, still original. So wow, it's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so that would be my my uh, recommendations for you know a week itinerary. You're, you're gonna walk your ass off, travel your butt off. You'll be exhausted, mm. but at least you'll have gotten to see some of you know what Japan has to offer instead of just hanging out in Tokyo. Yeah. 
exactly. You want to make the most of your stay. So yeah, you get the most bang for your buck. That's a good recommendation. Yep. Good answer. Yeah. Um, some more lightning round ones then. Uh, have you seen Battle Angel Alita yet? And if so, what are your thoughts? I have not, but I've heard good things about it. So I'm looking forward to checking it out. Okay. Uh, have you taken a look at where Dragon Ball has gone since Battle of the Gods brought back the franchise with Super followed by Resurrection F and Broly? Nope. Nope. Okay. <laughs> uh, have you finished? Have you finally finished Bleach and gotten for the horrific clusterfuck of an ending that we got? No, I did not. I haven't watched Bleach in many years. In fact, I had thought about picking it back up to see how it ended, but then I've just been warned off by a bunch of people in the chat, so I probably won't now. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, it might be for the best, actually. You know, just remember, remember what it was. You know. You know, uh, did you happen to catch news of some time ago of a Kickstarter campaign or something similar gauging interest in more El Hazard? I did not, and I wish I had because mm. I probably would have supported it. Okay, um, it may be your podcast, but are there some things that you feel you could change to the show's format, depending on if he's listened to the show recently? Uh, I apologize, but I have not been listening to the show recently, so I don't know. Ah, that's that's fair enough. Don't worry, we, we forgive you. <laughs> yeah, let's go. I mean, you kind of have a you kind of have a life now. You kind of you know me. No, um, I uh, I submit on a final note. My last question. This is an old discussion thread question I asked many moons when TC was still around. With the return of remastering of series like Dragon Ball Kai, Sailor Moon, Crystal, Evangelion, etc., what series would you like to see make a return as a rem? Oh wait, that's kind of a, well, it's kind of similar. Remaster, remake, continuation. Um, I chose El Hazard because, in my own words, seasons as of late lacking in Fujisawa kicks and more Shayla Shayla. Yes, please. That's <laughs> more from. Well, see, the problem yeah. with the doing? problem with redoing El Hazard is it's a crapshoot, right? I mean, sometimes they redo something that's good, mm. sometimes it's bad. Um, and El Hazard, like I said, the OVA, the original OVA, has aged extremely well, and I still enjoy watching it. So um, I don't know that I would want to see it redone. Mm. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, but uh, as far as what I would like to see redone, I'm not sure. It, it would be tough because okay. the reasons why I don't watch stuff now is usually because mm -hmm. the story hasn't aged, not necessarily because the animation hasn't aged. Well, um, right. So. Mm -hmm. There's some stuff that's just so good, like good enough to be remade that are still like they they've aged you know really well. Like so, there's almost like no need to redo something like Cowboy Bebop, right? For instance, exactly. Yeah. Uh. Black Magic says, "What animates have you changed? Oh, wait, actually, we watched that. Already did that one. What shows are you glad you came across because of? Uh, wait, I came across because of besides Seri no Mori Beetle. So somebody else caught onto the fact that you like that show. So what shows are you glad you came across? Um, well, obviously Gino Saji. Um, that's ah. that. You know, that was a really good show, and I liked how long it went. <laughs> I wish it had actually gone longer because th there's even more manga." that they haven't covered in the anime yet. Oh. And that's one of the few manga that I actually buy when it comes out still. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So that's that's oh, the main one in the last you know handful of years. Hmm. Um, are Love, Love and Hero Man still some of the worst series you've watched because of the show? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, uh, I think I'm running out here. It's pretty good. Uh, this one's more generic though uh what games books movies or tvs could you recommend you've enjoyed or hated uh well so don't actually watch much tv uh because again the whole time factor 
Um, movies, I do try to keep relatively up to date on movies, um, but most of what I watched that I liked, probably everybody else's because they're all the big name ones. Although I, I will say this is not a new one. Um, it came out a few years, mm-hmm. you know, a handful of years back, but I, I heard they did a Netflix show, so probably everybody's now heard of it. But there was a movie called Hana, oh. um, and it was uh, about this girl who was raised by a spy mm. who went off the grid and trained to oh, kill his yep, boss or whatever. Yep. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Netflix or Amazon Prime or something. I've heard nothing but horrible things about the, the, the TV show that was made based on it um, from everybody I mm-hmm. talked to who liked the movie. But the movie itself is really good. So I would recommend that right. if you like, you know, that sort of thing, you know, hitman, you know, spy stuff. Um, it's it's pretty good. So mm. um, let's see anything else that I've, I mean, everything else, you know, like the Star Wars movies and um, mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, I, I tend to watch a lot of kids movies because I'm always filtering for my kids. So I thought, you know, the new mm-hmm. Ralph movie was OK. Not as good as the first one. Uh, Wreck-It Ralph, that is. Yeah. Um, yep. And yeah. And then, oh, go ahead. Next time you do go see Welltall, go ahead and talk to him about how, how much you like the more recent Star Wars movies. It'll be fun. <laughs> Hopefully I'm recording too. It'll be good. Nice. I will say uh, a movie I watched recently that, again, is like 10 years old, but was hilarious um, was oh. The Ramen Girl. If you've never watched it, it's about this random girl oh. from like New York or something who shows up in Japan to, uh-huh. to follow her boyfriend who didn't want her to show up. And he just like takes off and leaves her. I don't know. How, it's not like she has a visa or anything, but she ends up sticking around for like a year and apprentices herself to this ramen shop down the street. And she doesn't speak a word of Japanese. And he's like, what the hell, you stupid, crazy foreign girl? And uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. It's I mean, my wife and I watched it and we thought it was hilarious. And we're like, oh, yeah, that would never happen. But still funny. <laughs> <laughs> OK, uh, fair enough. And this last one comes from uh, Andrew. Oh, that's me. Um, what are your... Uh, is there anything you miss about uh, being a host on Anime Pulse? And do you uh, do you have any recommendations for a newbie like me? And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Well, I mean, I, I do miss, you know, being tied into everything that's going on, right? I mean, there's definitely a disconnect that yeah. happens when it's not your job to be on top of everything. Um, mm-hmm. And even though it was a labor of love, it was still kind of a job. Because I was, you know, I owned the show, so I was invested in making making it successful. So I, I miss mm-hmm. I miss a little bit of that. Um, but my my advice for people looking to be hosts is is pretty straightforward. I think it's always kind of been the same. It's one invest in a mediocre, you know, a medium level of equipment. Right? Don't try to do it with just a random headset because sound right. quality matters. Um, to Pick, pick your schedule or your routine and be consistent. And I'm not talking as much about, you know, consistency inside the show. I'm talking about consistency of releases. Because right. a lot of people, mm-hmm. if, if you're a Friday show, they're going to be looking for you to come out on Friday. And if you're not, then, and you keep missing, a lot of people might just be like, yeah, I'm going to not subscribe anymore. Because, well, at least when I used to listen to podcasts, I listened to them at work. And so I always knew, like, Thursday, I would see a skate pod or whatever. Um, and, you know, I had my schedule of shows that I would listen to every week. It's just like when you used to have radio shows, right? You knew when they were on, so you knew when you could tune in. Um, and right. even though podcasts are kind of on demand, 
if you're up to date and you're waiting for new releases, you're looking for that consistent release schedule. So those are kind of the big things, you know, you know, invest in equipment, you know, at least a minimum level of equipment and be consistent with your shows. Yeah, that's pretty pro advice. Uh, we've, we, we try to be pretty consistent around here. Wouldn't that be right, Joseph? Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. And we've uh, managed to knock through pretty much all the questions. That's pretty fucking great, actually. Especially towards the end. Just blasted through those. Um, so nothing else left, really, but to talk about that anime you wanted to, you know, for old time's sake, right. go over. So, yeah, Andrew was nice enough to, to invite me to do a... a and I won't make it very long because we've been going almost a couple hours now, uh, but uh, do a review of, a, of an anime. And so I thought since uh, he said it hadn't been done on Anime Pulse that I would do a review of Grand Quest Senki or Record of Grand Quest War. Um, it's, so basically this came out uh, the start of 2018. Um, it's based on a light novel series, which should tell you right there that it probably has story, which is good. Um, there was also a manga that was written for it, uh, and supposedly a tabletop RPG, which I had never heard of. Um, huh. Anyway, it was a 24-episode series uh, that ran uh, pretty much straight through, and it's one of the more unusual ones for um, kind of a shonen e show in that it told a story and it ended, and it you know it wrapped it up and ended, not just you know leave it hanging for sequels or whatnot. There's definitely no possibility of a sequel in the same story vein. Um, mm. So our setting is there's this world that is, well, they start off and there's these two families that are looking to ally with a marriage. Um, and they were like two competing kings, like the two most powerful people in this world. And they were going to combine their families to create the grand crest Apparently, we don't know what this is at this point. Um, but right at the time the wedding was going to happen, they're invaded by a, a demon lord or something. And the demon lord kills the heads of both the families. And so the two kids that were going to get married, uh, you know, they don't get married. Everything falls apart and falls back into chaos. And so it turns out this world is basically ruled by chaos, but there are lords who are people who have defeated chaos creatures or whatnot and taken some of their power into them, which gives them seals that they can sh make show up and sometimes can either like give their forces courage or powers or stuff like that. It's That part is a little bit vague, and they don't bother to explain it, and it doesn't actually need it. It's kind of cool. Um, and then we focus on our on our protagonist. There's this, this girl. She's a, a magic user named Silica, and this guy who's a knight... Um, named Theo, or Teo is how they pronounce it in Japanese, but I'll go with the English names. Um, so Theo is a wandering knight. Look, basically, his whole mission is come to the mainland from the island that he grew up on because his island is run by uh, basically the Sicilian mafia and uh, leaves you know random villages to be preyed upon by demons uh and extorts other ones and he's had enough of it so he's going to go off and become a big powerful lord and come back and free his people and he runs into silica who's apparently a licensed mage which is you know every all the magic users are run by this magic school or organization or something and they're contracted out to different lords to serve them and that's how they're allowed to practice magic well she's been contracted out to this guy that she doesn't want to serve so 
she gets her her coach gets held up by some brigands and then she's saved by Theo and immediately contracts with him instead breaking her contract to that lord that she hadn't even met yet and they decide they're going to basically take over the world um mm. and that's the premise of the of the show and what's interesting about it is that it's extremely fast paced like there is no long world building they've got 24 episodes in which they want to tell a story about a landless you know servantless knight and his mage trying to take over the entire world um and at, apparently the, the the mythos is is that if somebody can assemble the grand crest which is basically us um uniting all of the lords with seals under one leader when that happens, supposedly then a miracle will occur and chaos will be banished from the world. So that's their objective is they've decided to take over the world in order to create the Grand Crest and end the Age of Chaos. Uh, we have different creatures show up. We have vampires. We have werewolves. Um, we've got, you know, obviously lords and their and their servants and various factions and wars and battles and stuff. And it's all pretty cool. Um, it's just kind of a solid action you know with a little bit of tactical stuff and strategic stuff but a lot of things are just kind of hand woven in order to move the story forward which is refreshing um but it, what it does is it reminds me a lot of record of lodos war which is a really old show um for those of you who've never heard of it don't worry about it it came out in like either early 90s <laughs> or late 80s or something um right mm -hmm. and uh but that is similar. It had less episodes to do it in, but it told a specific story and kind of hand wove a lot of stuff in order to move the story on. So it's it's similar to that. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm I'm not going to go into any more details because I, I don't want to give away too much. But uh, they do manage to wrap things up and end in a satisfactory fashion. And I would give Grand Crest War, if you've got the time to go back and watch something older, a uh, a solid... I wouldn't kick it out of bed for crackers. Hmm. Cool. Excellent. Wow. Talk about nostalgic. Yeah, did that feel... That feel wow. I wonder how that felt for you. <laughs> in terms of... It definitely felt like a blast from the past. Hmm. Yeah, it's good to have those every now and then. Um, hopefully, it won't be the last time we have you like live on the show. Yeah, well, I'm. Uh, I mean, the the hours are much easier now that I'm stateside and I'm on. I share at least one. You know, not share, but I'm closer to the time zone of one of y'all instead of you know each one of us in a third of the world. <laughs> yeah, 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 spread out all over. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm pretty much dry in terms of what I need to ask and go through. What about you, Joseph? I think that uh, pretty much does it for everything I have on my plate as well. Great. Well, I appreciate you. I think that brings us to uh, yeah, the, uh, the end of the show. Well, uh, before we do go, though, we do have to thank our sponsors, as we have some. Mm -hmm. Which uh, includes V, Shuji, uh, Seizure, Tag, Alga Zero, yep. Phantom. Yep, that's the main five. And then there's one that's still unconfirmed because of how fast things go. Tentatively Mal. Yes, possibly. And, uh, 
of course, to all of our other anonymous sponsors out there who remain unnamed. Hmm. Some of them do it for the old-fashioned means of the PayPal subscription, too. Indeed. Well, I, I do want to just say to... thank you guys for uh, inviting me to be part of this show. It's, it's, it's really nice for me to see that the show is still going and appears to be going strong, so that's great. Hmm. Thank and you very much nice for coming. It's nice to hear from an old voice, yes. But uh, yeah, how about for old times' sake, you uh, help us close out the show there, Ichigo? How do you, yeah. How do you want me to do it? You know the sign off and all that. You know. All right. Yeah, the sign off. The, the old sign off. All right. Uh, so I believe it went something along the lines of that's about it for this week. So until next time, keep watching, keep listening, and keep the anime love strong. <laughs> Shin,